0: Yeah. It is Thursday, April 4th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And today's show is sponsored by FantasyFootballDraftboard.net. They feature a wide array of draft board designs, such as their best-selling full-color Hall of Fame backside beauty. All Hall of Fame draft kits come with a board that's more than 5 feet wide, plus 420 player labels that are color-coded by position. They also feature Rookie of the Year draft kits for as little as 27 bucks. And just like Draft Sharks, every purchase is backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Draft different at fantasyfootballdraftboard.net. As we speak today, we are three weeks from the kickoff of the NFL draft. We've been watching a bunch of game cut-ups. We've been reading plenty of takes on Twitter, looking looking over a growing body of research from stat geeks about what actually matters in projecting players, both to NFL success and to fantasy productivity. To me, Jared, that's the most interesting portion of it these days because we've all been you know watching the the game tapes for a while i think we all watch those have our own reactions and ultimately i think none of us really knows as much as we think we do on that front and that includes the pro scouts the people who do that for a living
1: right i mean we know the nfl hit rate on these prospects is not very good um i, I think i think people who just watch the tape are are not doing it right i think people who just look at the numbers are not doing it right it has to be a
0: mix of both i agree um, so we're going to, starting today, we're going to look through the prospects. We're going to go do receivers first, um, but overall, before we get to that, where do you think the strength is in this draft class? I guess, especially as it pertains to uh, fantasy players, what should fantasy players be looking at?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the tight end class and the wide receiver class are both better than average and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the tight ends in, in a few weeks, but I I think the two Iowa guys, Hawkinson and fan are two of the better tight end prospects we've seen in recent memory. And then behind them, I think there are at least two guys who could have been the tight end ones in some other classes. So I think there's some interesting guys there. And again, a wide receiver, I think, you know, just comparing it to last year's group, I would probably have DJ Moore above anyone in this class, but behind him, I think, you know, this class might be better at basically every other spot in the rankings than, than last year's class was.
0: Yeah, honestly, that was my thought, too, is DJ Moore might still be number one in this year's class. But after that, there's like, I mean, seven or eight guys that probably come before the next uh, um, Cortland Sutton or whoever it would end up being. Um, I know Kevin's excited about Jay Sternberger, so he'll have that prospect profile on the site soon. There are 22 of them already on the site. You can check them all out. Those are all free. I agree with you. The strength is at wide receiver. There is strength at the top of some other positions, but this is going to be a year for me to look at wide receivers in rookie drafts. If you combine the past three classes of wide receivers, then DK Metcalf has the top speed score of all the wideouts in that group. Five of the top eight scores from the past three seasons worth of wideouts are in this year's wide receiver class. And three of the top four and five of the top nine in Spark score, according to threesigmaathlete.com, all come from this class as well. So we've got some stud athletes up top, some guys that we're going to um, talk about. For me, Jared, the, the way that I expect to approach rookie drafts this year, I'm going to be more willing to chase top talent outside of running back and wide receiver earlier in the draft than I might be other years. I mean, on, on the IDP side, I'm looking at the, two, the top two defensive tackles. I'm looking at the top edge players. I'm looking at the Devins at linebacker. Um, and I think I would be more willing to go for those guys a little bit earlier because running back doesn't excite me. And because um, I think wide receiver is so deep that there's likely to be a couple of guys that are close for me. and Maybe I can wait till the next round to get one of them.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. Running back is a complete mess to me. A lot of these guys just sort of like bleed together. I think there's a lot of similar types, um, and, and there's very few guys who I think are going to be, you know, major difference makers in fantasy football. So I, I'm with you there, and we'll talk about running backs next week. Um, I, I put together my overall dynasty rookie rankings, you know, pre-draft earlier this week, and I had both of those Iowa tight ends, Hawkinson and Fant, inside my top ten. So I'll be willing to take them in the first round of rookie drafts where in, you know, in in most cases I tend to shy away
0: from drafting tight ends in dynasty rookie drafts. Yeah. I mean, last year, I don't, we didn't have any tight ends up there and I was not interested in Mike Jacecki, even where we had him um, ranked. Uh, What do you think the chances are that from this class overall, that we get actually big 2019 contributors, rookies that are going to deliver fantasy value right away?
1: Yeah, I think there are a handful of wide receivers and we'll talk about them that, are capable of making immediate impacts. Um, I think Hawkinson and fan again are talented enough and are going to probably have the draft capital where they could be 2019 fantasy factors, even though, you know, rookie tight ends rarely are, but I think those two guys could be the exceptions at running back. Again, I don't think it's a great class and you look through the depth charts league wide. And it's like, what, what are the good landing spots for running backs? I think Tampa Bay and Oakland are the two that stand out. I think if either of those teams spends a first or second round pick on a running back, that, you know, that guy will have a good chance to lead the team in carries or, or at least touches uh, this season. And beyond that, I mean, I think Chicago, maybe, because, you know, they they made a kind of small investment in Mike Davis and Tree Cohen's a change of pace guy. But beyond, beyond those three teams, I don't see a really great spot for a running back to land.
0: Yeah, and we'll dig more into the RB landing spots and what we can expect from them uh, next week. I think that given you know what you just mentioned about tight ends rarely giving us um, immediate fantasy value, it certainly happens and it has happened a few times over the past few seasons. But uh, long term, it's not something to count on. I think there's a decent chance that Kyler Murray is the biggest 2019 fantasy asset. Um, from this rookie class, you know, we'll see exactly where he lands, but he's the kind of player who could uh, be a fantasy starter right away.
1: Yeah, for sure. And again, we'll talk more about Murray, but he obviously has that rushing ability, which is, you know, sometimes for quarterbacks, all you need. I mean, we saw it with Josh Allen this past season. He wasn't great as a passer, but his rushing ability made him, you know, a, a quarterback one really any week
0: he was starting. So we'll get on to the right wide receivers now because they're the focal point today. And Jared, you've been our wide receiver guy in these prospect profiles for was it three years now? I think however long we've been doing them, yeah, three or four years. So what what is your process? on the wideouts as you get going? Cause you're, you're always more organized than I am and, <laughs> and, and you know, get things, you get the, these things going earlier than I do. And I'm like, Oh crap, I guess I better get started. Cause Jared's on it. So what's right. your process with the, with doing the wideouts? Yeah.
1: So you'll, you'll probably hear me today talking a lot about checking boxes for these prospects. And, and to me, there's three boxes that these guys can or, you know, need to check. Ideally first one's production, you know, college production. And there's, there's raw numbers we look at. There's market share numbers, which is the percentage of a team's total passing production that player accounted for. So just as an example, if a player's team totaled 40 passing touchdowns, that guy caught 10 passing touchdowns. He has a 25% market share of receiving touchdowns. So that's a way to just compare these players across their different offenses. Um, Production also includes efficiency stuff like yards per target yards per route run. So that's the first box, second box athleticism. Um, and, And there's, Multiple studies have found that there's no significant correlation between any of the combine drills and NFL success for wide receivers. So athleticism means less to me than it does at other positions. But we'd still rather have athletic guys than unathletic guys. You know, it, we're playing football here. It helps to be athletic. So I, I think that should still be part of your equation. Um, spark. Yeah, I think, it,
0: I think it's more of a tiebreaker than it is exactly. Like- something that moves a guy way up or way down
1: exactly yeah you have you have two similar guys as far as production goes and you maybe tape they look the same one guy's you know a 70th percentile athlete according to spark score one's a 30th that's that that's a tiebreaker um so athleticism the, the second check box for me and then tape is the the third one which is obviously the subjective um analysis we're doing with these guys um and there, there's different things to look for at wide receiver. There's so many different ways a wide receiver can win. I, I like to see at least one you know, trump card a uh, skill that you can see translating to the next level. And it could be anything. It could be speed, quickness, route running, contested catchability, after catchability. So um, again, you just want to see one way or ideally multiple ways that you, you see this wide receiver winning at the next level.
0: Isn't it uh, too bad that you can't use the term trump card anymore without starting a political debate? <laughs> Oops, yeah. Let's let's get now to your top ten. And honestly, I tried to put together my own top ten getting ready for this podcast. And like I could pull ten guys together, but I don't think I can rank them until they have teams. So I I decided we'd go with your top ten, and then I'll just tell you when I think you're wrong. So why don't you just why don't you just hit us, and you can you can either give the whole list or you can break it down by player. I don't even care.
1: Yeah, we'll go one at a time, and and ten works well because for me, I ended up with two top tiers and each of the tiers had five wide receivers in it. So, so basically these top five guys, I, I, I wouldn't argue too much if you're switching the order around. And I think landing spots will switch the order around after the draft. But for now, my top guys, Nikhil Harry out of Arizona state. And we talked about the three, the three boxes. He checks production, athleticism and tape for me. Um, Harry has been highly touted for a while. He was the number one wide receiver prospect in the 2016 recruiting class. Led Arizona State in catches and receiving yard and receiving touchdowns um, as a true freshman, broke out his sophomore year, accounted for 31% of the team's catches, 34% of the receiving yards, 38% of the touchdowns, improved those market shares across the board this past year. 32% of the catches, 38% of the yards, 47% of the touchdowns. Those marks rank fourth, sixth, and fifth among the forty-eight wide receivers invited to this year's combine. So again, big check mark for production, you know, across really three seasons at Arizona State. Athleticism, he's good there. Um six foot three, two hundred twenty-five pounds, and a 75th percentile spark score. So that that's a nice check mark. And then the tape, um, one of my favorite wide receivers to watch in this draft class, probably the best in contested situations, has a big catch radius, has a big vertical leap, knows how to, you know, use his body to shield off um defenders. I think if there's a weakness for Harry, it's it's separation ability. He doesn't really separate from DBs. But again, he, he doesn't really need to because he's so good in contested uh, situations. He's also really good after the catch. Um, and he even carried 23 times for
0: 144 yards and three touchdowns at Arizona State. Yeah, I think that if you had to bet money on one wide receiver from this class making it, I think he's the best bet because of all those factors that you mentioned. And I mean, if it, in comparing him to our top receiver from last year, DJ Moore, I think basically they check all the same boxes and DJ Moore was a little bit flashier and more explosive.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think Moore had slightly better market share numbers. I think he, he tested a bit better. Um, and is a different type of player. Um, yeah. I, I think more is more of a separation creator. Harry does it more in the contested game, but again, I would probably, if I'm combining these two classes, it would be more one for me. And then it would be Harry number two.
0: Mm-hmm. So who's number two in just this year's class. Number two
1: is JJ arcega Whiteside. And I am, much higher on him than, than average. I'd say, you know, he, he tends to sit in the five to 10 range in most rankings. But again, to me, he, he checks two of these three boxes and the third one, athleticism we'll find out today, um, April 4th, because his pro day is today. He did not work out of the combine. Um, he did measure six foot two, 225 pounds. So essentially the same size as Nikhil Harry, Um Arcega Whiteside led Stanford in touchdowns as a true freshman finished second on that team in receiving yards. Then as a sophomore, he leads the team in all major receiving categories, improved his market shares across the board um, as a junior this past year, 26% of the catches, 33% of the receiving yards, 56% of the receiving touchdowns. Um, those marks are 20th, 15th, and second among the 48 wide receivers at this year's combine. Our Sega Whiteside got my top film grade among the 33 wide receivers I watched. Um, he was an all-state basketball player in high school. He he plays like he's rebounding a basketball. He boxes out smaller defenders. Excellent high pointer. Um, but I also think he's better as a separation creator than he gets credit for a lot. I think he has good quickness. He creates separation on some of the shorter routes. Um, so I think he can win both in, in in those short routes and down the field at the next level.
0: So you don't think that he's similar to Clemson's Mike Williams from last year, who you hated because not hated, <laughs> but hated, hated versus consensus because he couldn't separate from corners. Yeah. So, so it's funny. I, I actually,
1: I, I try to come up with NFL comparisons for a lot of these wide receivers I watched and, and the whole comparison thing can be dangerous because people take it the wrong way. They take it to mean that, you know, a white Whiteside is going to become this guy at the next level, be as product- productive as this guy at the next level. It's more of a, comparison of play style you know how, how these guys play how they win how they beat cornerbacks um so my comparison for our sega white side was mike williams his size and contested catch ability but also some of deandre hopkins quickness and craftiness to create separations i think our sega white side again can do it in the contested game but unlike mike williams um, is better at
0: creating separation so there you go, folks. Uh, Jared <laughs> says that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is DeAndre Hopkins with Mike Williams's touchdown rate. Exactly. Sounds like a star. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not as high as you are on him. Um, I'm sure that you watched more of him than I did. I, you know, saw what everybody saw with the whole boxing out in the end zone mm-hmm. um, thing, and obviously Stanford went to that well quite a bit. Um, I, I certainly agree that in general he seems to be underrated a bit um outside of that stuff. I just have a hard time putting him ahead of Hakeem Butler mm-hmm. and OJ Brown. That that's
1: fair. And again, those two guys you just mentioned are in this top tier, so I won't argue too hard. I'm curious to see again our Sega Whiteside's measurables. I-, I hope he runs the forty. I hope he does some of the agil- agility and jump jumping drills at his pro day. Um you know if he tests super poorly
0: there, I, I might, you know, knock him down you know more to the four or five territory. Mm-hmm. So number three on your list, I know, is Hakeem Butler. What do you think of him versus the other guys? Yep, three is Butler, and we'll start with him with
1: that athleticism box because, you know, he's 6'5", 227 pounds, 99th percentile arm length, 98th percentile wingspan. The guy has a 7-foot wingspan. And then he also tested as an 84th percentile spark uh, guy at the Combine. So big, athletic, um, had a massive 2018 season. Um, at Iowa State. Finished eighth in the country in receiving yards, 22 yards per catch. That led all players with 40-plus receptions last season. His market share is last year, 25% of the catches, 42% of the receiving yards, 45% of the receiving touchdowns. So, you know, nice checkmark there. Um, The concern is that last season came as a 22-year-old redshirt junior. So, you know, kind of an older breakout age for butler he didn't do much as a freshman 41 catches 697 yards and seven touchdowns as a sophomore so a pretty decent season there um the tape on butler i think he's probably the best wide receiver in the class working downfield just that that size that athleticism the body control um he led all draft eligible wide receivers with 19 catches 20 plus yards downfield last season that's according to pro football focus um he's, he's not a great separator so you know sort of in the 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 Nikhil Harry mold where he's not a great separator, but he doesn't really need to be because he's so good in in a contested situations. The biggest knock against Butler is the drop rate. um, 16.7% drop rate this
0: past season, which was one of the worst in the class. Yeah, inconsistent hands, but still good hands. He'll flash for the the one-handed catch. He'll he'll make the good plays at the sideline and in the end zone. I I thought he was the most fun to watch of the guys that I have watched to this point. And I, I even watched three David Montgomery cutups <laughs> who is also from Iowa state between last night and this morning. And every single time <laughs> it either turned into more of a Hakeem Butler film for me, or there were at least a couple of, Oh yeah, there's Hakeem Butler plays. So I, I he, I had a good time watching him and I could see he, it, it, this is where it's tough for me is I, I'm not, I can't say right now that he's definitely my number one <laughs> and the Harry is definitely behind him. But if Akeem Butler, you know, goes 18 to 20 in, in round one to a decent spot and Nikhil Harry goes more toward uh, the middle of round two, then I'm going to have a hard time not ranking Butler ahead of Nikhil Harry and at the top of this yeah, class.
1: Yeah, that, that that's fair. I think for me, what Harry has over Butler is just that he produced at a younger age in college and Butler had just the one big season as an older College player, and I just wonder if his, you know, physical skills won't be quite as dominant. They, they obviously won't be as dominant against NFL corners as college corners. But, you know, just just how how much an impact that jump in competition will, will have on him.
0: Uh, number four is probably the biggest boom bust guy, yeah. DK Metcalf. So, what's your take on him? Yeah, exactly. Boom bust. You
1: know, you, I know some people have him as their number one guy, and you know, it's 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 not crazy just based on his. Athleticism. Um, 6'3", 228 pounds, four point three three second forty time. Um he was also ninety-third percentile in the vertical, ninety-seventh percentile in the broad jump. He was horrible in the agility drills of the combine, second percentile, three cone, third percentile, twenty-yard shuttle. I don't think that lack of agility shows up on tape, and I'll talk about that uh, coming up here. But uh, Metcalf still finished with a 98th percentile spark score, so big athletic dude. Um, production did not match that size-athleticism combination in college, though just 67 catches across three seasons at Ole Miss. Injuries were a factor for him. He missed 10 games as a freshman with a broken foot, missed the final five games this past year with a fracture of a vertebrae, which um, required surgery. He, he was able to work out at the combine, obviously. So I think, you know, he, he's recovered from that. He obviously played alongside two guys, two wide receivers on his, you know, on his team that are going to be drafted uh, this year and AJ Brown and DeMarcus Lodge. So that obviously impacted, um, Maccalf's production too. So his market shares weren't great. 17% of the catches, 23% of the receiving yards, 29% of the receiving touchdowns. But again, he, he does have some excuses for that in, you know, playing alongside Brown and lodge. Um, Maccalf got my, got my second highest film grade. Um, I, I, again, I think he, he plays like he's a big, super athletic dude. Um, does his best work downfield you know he he can fight off press coverage and then once he gets a step on a guy he's gone and again i think on the shorter and intermediate routes he looks plenty agile he doesn't look like a guy who's you know a sub fifth percentile in the three cone and in, in the shuttle drills um the the knocks against metcalf um sort of like with um hakeem butler 10.3 percent drop rate um so you know the hands are a concern, but again, sort of like with Butler, I don't I don't watch him and say the guy has bad hands. Sometimes it's just you know concentration
0: drop or or, or whatever it might be. And frankly, if a guy drops ten of every one hundred targets, I don't think that's really going to um, you know make a huge difference in his either his fantasy value or what his NFL team thinks of him. Yep, I would agree with that. Metcalf, I, I would I would probably be scared if I were an NFL team trying to decide whether to draft him and deciding whether he's going to boom or bust. And I'm sure that they have some process to go through to decide. I think it's far less scary for fantasy purposes because, I mean, w- what's the real downside if you take a shot on DK, DK Metcalf in the middle of round one of a rookie draft and he doesn't turn into anything better than... I don't don't know, Greg Little from UNC, which is one kind of downside comp that I've seen. You know, it's not going to kill your team for years. I think the upside is worth um, taking a shot on, even though there are some receivers behind him that are better bets to at least be fine in the NFL.
1: Yep. And again, that's why I have him fourth. And I would have all four of these wide receivers ranked over any other rookie in this class at this point at least so again you know if you're sitting at four in a rookie draft I have no problem with DK Metcalf now I don't know what ha- half of these rookies we take in the first round of rookie drafts
0: um you know seem to bust anyway so yeah um a- AJ Brown uh, I if I'm choosing between Metcalf and AJ Brown I think I would have a hard time taking Metcalf we'll see where they land NFL team wise um but I heard, I, I was listening to Greg Cosell talk about the receivers the other day and what he said about AJ Brown was didn't jump off the tape to me at, at first, but the more I watched him, the more I liked him. And that was, that was what I felt too. Cause I watched some AJ Brown early on and I was like, yeah, AJ Brown's fine, yep. um, but not, it doesn't look like anything special. And then I more watched, I was like, Oh, AJ, AJ Brown's actually pretty good. Oh, he's actually bigger than he, he looks like he is. Uh, he's he's a pretty good player.
1: Right. I mean, 6'1", 226 pounds. And he tested as a 77th percentile athlete. I, I agree with you. I don't think he jumps off the screen as a 77th percentile guy, but he, he sort of just does everything well. He has good quickness for a bigger guy. I think he runs good routes. Might might be one, he, He's definitely one of the better route runners in this rookie class. Um, good hands, a 4.6% drop rate. And then after the catch, he's really good. I think he can make guys miss and he breaks tackles. Um, I also like that Brown spent most of his career at Ole Miss in the slot, but then for the second half of this past season, he moved more to the outside, and he topped 100 yards in four of his last five games. So he, he sort of proved that he can do it both in the slot and from the outside. My my, you know, com- NFL comp for AJ Brown is Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, a guy who's not an elite athlete, but he's a big-bodied guy with good quickness can can win from the slot or from the outside. So I think that that's sort of the type of player we're, we're looking at here.
0: Yeah, he can play everywhere, and the the market share numbers don't jump out ahead of everybody else if you look at them just on their own. But when you factor in, as you mentioned, he played on the same team with DK Metcalf. He played with DeMarcus Lodge, who's also going to get drafted this year. Uh, That that makes them look even better, and he put up big numbers in the SEC, and he put up big numbers despite their quarterback being pretty shaky this year from what I saw of him.
1: Yeah, um, I think it was Jordan Tamu. It was not great, um, and, and Brown broke out as a sophomore, and you know, back in 2017, he had 1,200 yards that season, and then you know, set new new career highs this past year with 85 catches and 1,320 yards. So you know, he his his production was you know significantly better
0: than his teammate DK Metcalf. Plus AJ Brown is easily the best wide receiver name so far in the guys we've gone over. I like Nikhil Harry. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, Andy Isabella is next on the list. So talk to us about him. Cause that's not, who's going to show up that early on a lot of lists.
1: Yeah. So, so we're in the second tier now. So, you know, there's a, there's a pretty big break for me from AJ Brown to Andy Isabella, but Isabella, I mean, massive check Mark in the, in the production box. Um, he emerged as the the top wide receiver at UMass in 2017, um, accounted for 24% of the team's catches, 29% of the yards, 39% of the touchdowns. Then this past year, led the entire country with uh, 1,698 yards, ranked second in the country with 102 catches, sixth with 13 receiving touchdowns. The market shares 39% of the catches, 48% of the yards, 48% of the touchdowns. Um, and he obviously feasted on weaker competition playing at UMass, but he also had some nice games against, you know, some of the bigger schools. He had 15 catches for 219 yards and two touchdowns versus Georgia, Um, five catches for 96 yards against Boston college, seven catches, 158 yards and a score against uh, Mississippi state. All those games came over the last two seasons. And then to me that the big thing was, was to sort of confirm that this guy is athletic and, you know, wasn't just a, you know, a guy feasting on that lower level, uh, level competition. And he, he did that at the combine with a 4.31 second, uh, 40 yard dash. Um, he he's obviously a small guy. I think that's the biggest concern is his size. He's five, nine, 188 pounds. He has, you know, short arms, short wingspan. So that, 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 that'd be the biggest concern. But I think the tape to me shows a guy who he lined up all over the formation at UMass. Um, he he's not the undersized you know slot guy who wins with quickness isabella wins with with speed and he's i think at his best getting downfield running by guys um also has experience running you know jet sweeps and some of the other wide receiver runs he has he had 40 carries for 342 yards and two touchdowns at umass and i think he he's a guy you know sort of like a Tyree kill who could contribute with you know 10 to 20 carries per season at the nfl level
0: Yeah, people are going to watch a short white receiver and think, oh, it's Julian Edelman. (laughs) But no, it's much more John Brown than that. I think the speed at the combine showed us that. And you can see the deep stuff on tape. So, you know, maybe he does lots in the slot, but I think, like you said, he's capable of lining up at various positions around the formation and beating guys downfield and getting those big plays that stack up fantasy value, you know, averaging um 14 to 15 yards per catch rather than the 10 or 11 that he might get as a straight slot guy
1: yeah john, john brown is a great comparison i think Tyler lockett another guy who's smaller but you know does some of his best work downfield i think that's the type of player isabel is i'm super excited to see where he goes in the draft i mean if he goes in the second or even third round i'll feel good about having him as you know the sixth wide receiver in this class if he drops to the fifth or sixth then i think it, it'll be you know time to move him down the rankings
0: Yeah. And just, you know, getting back to the comps, um, if you look at the mock draftable page for him and granted, the percentages aren't high because there aren't a lot of guys that where everything matches up. But second on his list is Kiki Cutie uh, for the Texans. Third is John Brown. Fourth is Tyler Lockett. So that's those are the kinds of players and Kiki Cutie might be playing the slot in uh, Houston right now. But he's also the speedy guy that we're talking about with some of those other players.
1: Right, yeah, and, and and again, Isabella played all over the formation at UMass. I do think he'll end up in the in the slot in the NFL, just because of that size.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, who's up next after Andy Isabella? My n- seventh guy is Marquise Brown, and you know he he's right there with Isabella. They're very similar players. Um, like Isabella, size is the concern for Marquise Brown. He's he's five nine. He's one hundred and sixty six pounds. That that's super light. I, I looked at wide receivers under one hundred seventy pounds in the NFL. Only three. Guys listed under 170 have reached 800 yards in the NFL. Um, it, if we bump it up to 175 pounds, it, it climbs to 24 guys. So it, it, again, it's, it's not a killer for Marquise Brown, but it's definitely a concern that that lightweight. Um, the other concern is that he's coming off a list Frank injury in his fi- final college game. Um, you know that's something we've seen kind of linger for guys, and you know sometimes even require second surgery. So that that's the concern with Marquise Brown, but. Had big production at Oklahoma, um, 2,400 yards, 17 touchdowns on 18.3 yards per catch over the past two seasons. Obviously benefited from playing in a great passing game with Baker Mayfield in 2017 and then Kyler Murray this past season. Oklahoma finished first in passing yards in 2017, fourth in passing yards this past season. But Brown still had pretty nice market shares, 27% of Oklahoma's rece- receptions. This past season, twenty nine percent of the receiving yards, twenty three percent of the touchdowns. Also ranked fourth among all draft eligible wide receivers in yards per route run this past season. So it was was very efficient. Um, the tape, obvious speed from Marquise Brown. You know, didn't run at the combine. I, I I would guess that he's faster than Andy Isabella. And Isabella ran a four point three one. So um, you know, I, I think Brown had a chance to probably go sub four, three, um, obvious deep threat for Oklahoma after the catch. He's too quick for most of the guys trying to tackle him. Um, I also think he's a better route runner than he gets credit for. You know, he, he didn't run a wide variety of routes at Oklahoma. Um, it, it's more of that college type offense where, where it's simplified, but I, I do think he can become a pretty good route runner at the next level. And Brown also, again, like Isabella played in the slot and on the outside, um, again, like Isabella, I think he'll be better in the slot as a pro. Just you know, sort of avoiding those bigger outside cornerbacks.
0: And I think that a lot of times you get, well, pretty much always, you get the smallish, speedy, big play receiver, and you get Deshaun Jackson comparisons. And obviously, it doesn't take a whole lot of watching Hollywood Brown to to see Deshaun Jackson. But I think he also does some bigger receiver stuff better than that comparison. Um, would suggest uh, you could see him going up for the ball. You can see him fighting for the ball. Uh, he's not going to win on strength in the NFL, but I think there's more to him than just uh, get down the field or creating big plays after the catch, too.
1: Yeah, um, Deshaun Jackson was my original comparison, and again, it does so it, it does feel sort of lazy, but I do think it, it's it's a, a, a it's a fair comparison. Um, Sigmund Bloom brought up Kiki Cutie as his comparison from Ricky's Brown. I like that because I think it captures some of the quickness and change of direction, both in his routes and after the catch that Brown has.
0: Yeah. I mean the, I think the foot injury means you should not expect a whole lot in 2019. Maybe we get it, Mm -hmm. um, but don't go in expecting it. But if it, pushes him down the NFL draft board, and if it puts pushes him down rookie draft boards, he could turn to a strong value. I mean, I think if Marquise Brown gets into round two of rookie drafts, oh, yeah. he's a strong value anywhere in that range.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, that, that list, Frank, scares me, especially for an undersized speed wide receiver like Brown is. I think without that, he Brown would probably be in that first tier for me, and he would at least be ahead of Isabella as my wide receiver six.
0: Uh, another similar player is right behind them.
1: So Paris Campbell, he's similar in that he's kind of undersized, fast dude. But Paris Campbell does not do anything, or at least did not do anything downfield at Ohio State. He had just two catches, twenty-plus yards downfield this past season. He did pretty much all of his work from the slot in the short and intermediate ranges of the field. Um, Seventy-three of his ninety catches this past season came from the slot, and he is super quick uh, to create separation on some of those shorter outs, and he has the speed. He, he ran a four three one forty at the combine tested as a 99th percentile spark guy at six foot 205 pounds. So again, he, you know, he's, he's quite a bit bigger than Isabella and Marquise Brown um, was, was also awesome in the vertical, the broad, the 20 yard shuttle, just, just killed the combine. So that was nice to see um, broke out this past season with um, over a thousand receiving yards um, set a Ohio state record with 90 catches um, again, you know, he benefited from playing in a high octane passing game with Dwayne Haskins, Ohio state ranked first in passing yards, second in passing touchdowns this past season. So Campbell's market shares aren't quite what you'd expect for a guy who put up his raw numbers. Um, 23% of the catches this past year, 21% of the receiving yards, 24% of the receiving touchdowns. Campbell though, like Marquise Brown, super efficient. Uh, Campbell finished fifth among all draft eligible wide receivers in yards per route run.
0: And also, like the Ole Miss guys, played with a couple other wide receivers who are probably going to get drafted. Terry McLaurin and Johnny Dixon, I believe, is the third one here. Um, I, I haven't watched a ton of Dwayne Haskins yet. I'm not sure that his deep ball matches up with his arm strength, though. Have you Have you watched enough to, to see that?
1: Honestly, I've only watched um, Haskins when I was watching Campbell and, and, uh, and uh, Terry McLaurin.
0: Yeah, well, so, I mean, Dwayne Haskins it's obviously kind of the raw tools that people like, but I think there's inconsistency there. I wonder how much of that contributed to Paris Campbell not working downfield. Either way, I think that the fact that he didn't do a lot of it at Ohio State is more so just that they didn't have him do it than that he's not capable. I have a hard time imagining that a guy who's uh, – he's 6'1", six six right? Foot, yeah, 6'1", yep. Yeah, so, I mean, he's, he's big enough. He's very fast. I have a hard time believing that he couldn't do the downfield stuff in the right spot at the next level.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think that's possible. He has the tools. I, I I do think though that he is at his best with the ball in his hands. Um, you know, he had a ton of yards after a catch at Ohio State. Also had twenty three carries for two hundred ten yards and two touchdowns over the past three seasons. So again, you know, he sort of like Isabella is a guy who I think could add some value with a few carries per season at the
0: NFL level. And that's good to see, I think, in college, too, because if you're just faster than most people, it's going to be pretty easy for you to get open deep and just catch the ball if it gets to you. So I think it's good to see a speed guy who can work in the short distance and create those yards. And then maybe um, his NFL coaching staff can can draw up some more of the um, getting big chunks downfield for him.
1: Yep. And Campbell's a guy I've I've heard his name mentioned as a a first round pick. So, you know, if that happens, he'll obviously climb the rankings.
0: Uh, Who's number nine in this list?
1: Number nine is Debo Samuel, um, and he contributed in in multiple facets at South Carolina, had 148 career receptions, um, 25 career carries, um, which included seven rushing touchdowns, also averaged 29 yards and scored four touchdowns on 42 kick returns. Um, His biggest problem in college was injuries. Um, He was limited to five games in two thousand fifteen with a lingering hamstring injury, missed three more games in two thousand sixteen with a hamstring injury, and then a broken leg cost them all but three games in two thousand seventeen. He finally stayed healthy this past year, came away with career highs with sixty-two catches, eight hundred eighty-two receiving yards, eleven receiving touchdowns. Uh the market shares were twenty-four percent of the catches, twenty-seven percent of the receiving yards, thirty-four percent of the touchdowns. Um the concern for me production-wise is that, you know, that that nice 2018 season came as a 22-year-old senior. Um, Samuel actually already turned 23. He turned 23 in January, so he's one of the oldest wide receiver prospects in this class, but he has good size, 5'11", 214 pounds. He's almost built more, more like a running back, and he, he he sort of plays that way. Again, I, I think like Paris Campbell, Samuel is at his best with the ball in his hands. He has good speed, can make guys miss. He, he really, he, he again, he plays like a running back. He sort of seeks out contact and is a, a good tackle breaker. Um, again, sort of like Paris Campbell, though, I don't think he's great downfield. Um, Samuel had just four catches last year, 20-plus yards downfield. Um, so, you know, my comparison for Debo Samuel is Pierre Garçon. Um, I think sort, sort of that physical guy who does most of his stuff short and intermediate and, and is good after the catch.
0: So the, um, recognizable names on his mock draftable player comp list, Ty Montgomery is the top match right, at an 89.4% match, which is a pretty strong match. Um, and then Leonte Carew is fourth. Uh, I mean, honestly, that kind of matches up for me with Debo Samuel. I watched him. He was fine. Not anybody I got excited about, but certainly could be fine in the right spot. The the vertical jump and broad jumps tested pretty well: eighty seventh percent vertical, sixty second broad. So probably a little bit more explosive potential than I think he shows when you watch him. But you know, right spot, I think he could be just fine.
1: Yep, I I agree. Again, the the biggest concern with me is the durability. You know, missing time with hamstring injuries in two seasons. The broken leg in two thousand seventeen. That's that's more of a fluke thing that shouldn't impact him but um if Samuel can stay healthy I could I could definitely see him you know making a nice impact even this season I think he's more one of the NFL uh ready guys in this
0: wide receiver class I mean probably has better hands than Ty Montgomery who always looked like a return man hopefully yeah um all right who rounds out the top 10 yeah my
1: 10th guy is Kelvin Harmon um and he he was higher on my my list for a lot of this process because I really like his tape um, I think he he can sort of win in the big receiver game with with the body control, the strong hands, contested catchability. But he also he also he also creates separation, um, pretty well for a bigger guy. I think he's good off the snap with his releases. I think he he runs good routes. Um, it's funny. My my comparison for him was actually Devonte Adams, which again is lofty, but I, it's more of the player style where I think you know Adams isn't a, a super athlete, but he but he wins. Um with his contested catchability and his route running. So that was my comp for Kelvin Harmon. He unfortunately was, was disappointing at the combine Um, 19th percentile spark score for Harmon. He was sub 30th percentile in the 40 yard dash, the vert, the broad, the three cone and the 20 yard shuttle. So, you know, that, that sort of has him knocked down my rankings a bit, but again, he's in the second tier. So, you know, depending on how high he goes in the draft, um, where he lands, he could, you know, climb all the way up to, to five or six.
0: Uh, he's not gonna climb that high for me i th- I thought he was just okay from every time I watched him um, and, and then I, I think I, I think he played to both the market share and the t- testing numbers because the market shares are okay yep about twenty six percent receptions thirty percent yards twenty nine percent touchdowns but I, I feel like if he's a top five or six guy and playing at NC state he should be um higher on the list than that and then it was a sub 100 speed score um what was what's the other stat I got down here for him? The uh, sub ten foot broad jump, so it's just not the explosiveness, not top end speed. Um, I, I think he's going to stick around the bottom of the top ten to twelve for me.
1: Yeah, that, that's definitely possible. Um, yeah, you're right. Um, Jacoby Myers at NC State, who who is uh, um, draft eligible this season, he actually beat Harmon in catches this past year, ninety two to eighty one. I do like that Harmon, you know, broke out as a sophomore in 2017. He had over a thousand yards. As a sophomore, and then um, improved his numbers across the board this past year. But yeah, the market shares aren't great, and you know Harmon's already 22 years old, so he's not super young either.
0: And I don't, you know, I don't have any stats to back it up, but having a guy break out earlier and then not dominate at the end of his career make sends me back to thinking about somebody like Laquan Treadwell or Cortland Sutton last year, and we'll see where Cortland Sutton goes. But I, I just I get a little wary of a guy who is the the leader of the receiving core earlier in his career and then he has somebody either pull even with him or pass him right as he's finishing his career
1: that's fair again i mean 30 percent of the receiving yards 29 percent of the receiving touchdowns those aren't those aren't bad numbers they're not elite but they're they're fine
0: Yeah, more of more of a tiebreaker. I'm not saying I hate Kelvin Harmon. I'm saying in this deep class with lots of guys to like for different reasons, I don't like him as much as some other guys. Yep. So that's it for me on like reactions. Any disagreements? We'll see exactly where guys settle. As you said, I think a lot's going to depend on where they land team wise, and I feel like more so this year than previous years. I think it's going to be impacted heavily by by where these guys land. Do you agree with that?
1: I totally agree with that. And again, I mean, those are two separate tiers for me. But within those tiers, I could definitely
0: see guys moving all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's move outside that group now. And why don't you start us off with one of your favorites who did not crack the top two tiers on your list? I
1: actually got four guys,
0: if you don't mind. No, I want you to start (laughs) with one, then we can go back and forth, because I have several guys too. All
1: right, I'll I'll be quick. Um, Emmanuel Hall, who's actually his profile just went up on the site today, so you can read about him. Um, he struggled with injuries at Missouri. Um, but I I think he's one of the best downfield guys in this class and he's not super big, but I think he he has the elite speed. He actually tested as a 99th percentile athlete. So he's an elite athlete. Um, and I think he does some of the little things good too, like tracking the ball and using his body to shield defenders down the field. So I think Emmanuel Hall, if he can stay healthy, you know, has the potential to be a top, top five wide receiver in this class.
0: Yeah, and I think he showed well if you're watching Drew Locke tape, too. Drew Locke was um, inconsistent and helped out by his wideout plenty. Here you got. Um, all right, right good. Now, go ahead. Keep going <laughs> with you, guys. Um, Miles Blinken from
1: uh, Notre Dame, sort of in the same vein as Emmanuel Hall, didn't have massive college numbers but tested as a 99th percentile athlete. So I think any time you see that, you have to be interested in a guy. And Blinken seems like a guy who's gaining steam and might go – earlier in the NFL draft than than we thought a month ago
0: yeah the, I have Boykin down on the list as interesting he I, he, I wouldn't call him a favorite because I watched three or four games and I saw absolutely nothing exciting he looked like a total possession guy and then he goes to the combine runs a four four two at six three and a half and 220 tested 99th percentile spark 99th percentile broad jump 98th percentile vert so he's apparently hiding a lot more explosion than he was able to show with Notre Dame this past season. And th- I, you know, I think this is where you don't overrate the tape. Um, you know, just because I didn't see anything exciting about miles Boykin doesn't mean that he doesn't have the ability to bring these things out in his game.
1: Right. I would agree with you watching him. I would not have guessed that he's a 99th percentile spark guy, um, but he, he's definitely big. And he's, I think he's definitely good in contested situations. And, you know, if the NFL team can sort of bring that athleticism out um, as far as, you know, the ability to get downfield and, you know, create separation, shorter and intermediate. I think, you know, he, he, he has upside. Anytime you see a guy test like that, he has to be on your radar. Right. Who else you got? Uh, sort of deeper down the list for me, Dylan Mitchell out of Oregon um, broke out this past season, had 75 catches, 1184 yards, 10 touchdowns as a junior. Um, his, his market shares were 31% of Oregon's catches, 37% of the receiving yards, 35% percent of the receiving touchdowns he's a bit undersized just 197 pounds he is six foot one um 51st percentile spark score my my comp for dylan mitchell was nelson aguilar as sort of that um quick slot guy um i i think mitchell's a guy i'm going to be keeping an eye on to see where he lands
0: i honestly don't know anything else about him so you can go (laughs) on with your next player you just you just taught me about him my
1: my last guy is stanley morgan out of um nebraska he led nebraska in catches and yards each of the last two years Um, this past year 27% of the catches, 34% of the teams receiving yards, 37% of the receiving touchdowns. So good market shares. Then he goes to the combine at six foot, 202 pounds. And he tested as an 82nd percentile spark guy. Um, The the tape for me, was just okay. But I think that the production was good. The athleticism is very good. So he's, he's a guy that's interesting to me.
0: Yeah. I'm looking at well down the list guys here as well. Um, And and starting with a bigger guy, because I had Miles Boykin up first, Jalen Hurd. Um, I think he's, I think he was more fun to watch than Miles Boykin Um, stands six, four. So we might know Jalen Hurd as a former running back at Tennessee who converted to wide receiver. But I think when you watch him, he looks like a wide receiver who is also capable of running the ball. He looks like what um, Cordero Patterson did for the Patriots last year when he was running the ball. Um, he only spent the one year wide out. So I'm sh- there's plenty left to work on there. I don't think we should expect early production from Jalen Hurd. He skipped the combine because of wrist surgery. Um, but put it, put up a broad jump at his pro day. That would be 75th percentile vertical is 50th. So, um, you know, not terrific, but it will take average for a guy who's six, four. And uh, again, the biggest thing I think is that he doesn't look like, a running back who moved to wideout like Byron Marshall did at Oregon. He looks like a wideout who was finally at the right position. Yeah, heard is
1: super interesting. He he was, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was the guy who like out-touched Alvin Kamara in Tennessee's backfield, oh, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. So he's interesting. I agree. I think he's definitely a project with only one year at wide receiver, but ha- has the size, has good enough good enough athleticism.
0: I'm curious to see how high he goes in the NFL draft. Mhm. Um, Greg Dorch is the next guy on my list. So from very big to very small slot build, clearly here, five foot seven, 173 pounds. It draws Jamison Crowder comps um, from people, which is fine. He's even a little bit smaller than Jamison Crowder. Um, but I think Greg Dorch even showed more in the bit that I watched than Jamison Crowder did at Duke. Uh, he's an all America level return, man, two punt return touchdowns last year. So that's going to help Greg Dorch stick with somebody until he can work up to being a receiver. And then the career market shares for him, 38% receptions, nearly 38% yards, almost 40% touchdowns over his two years playing with Wake. All of those were at 33% or higher last year. Um, Dorch left after his redshirt sophomore season, so he was still young in his development on that front. And I think that he looks like, more than just a slot receiver. You know, at the NFL level, he's just going to be a slot receiver. Yeah. But he's he goes after it. He can get up for it. He's got run after the catch ability. He very well might not do anything special in the NFL. But if we're in like round three, four, of rookie drafts. I'm going to be interested in him if he lands in the right spot.
1: Yeah. I mean, the size is a concern with Dorch um, and he didn't work out at the comment. I don't believe. So I'm curious to see if we get numbers from him from a pro day or a spark score. Cause you'd like to see him be athletic if he's so small, but yeah, like you said, massive, tar- uh, massive market share numbers. He's also super young too. He hasn't even turned 21 yet. I think he, he might be the youngest wide receiver in the entire class. So you like that. He Dorch is actually, um, 13th in my wide receiver ranking. So I, I like him.
0: Nice. I like that too. And they didn't give the full pro day results that I could see from the Wake okay. pro day, but his 40 was a little disappointing. It was like in the range of four, four, eight to four, five, two, which is fine, but you'd like it to be faster for a guy who's yeah. that little. Um, you know, I, I think that he's a later rookie draft pick. I think he's not a guy to fall in love with so much that you're taking him, you know, 14th overall. But if he lingers, you know, beyond round two of a rookie draft, I think he's a shot worth taking in the right spot.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say round three, he seems like a nice target there.
0: Mm -hmm. And then the last guy on my list is Ashton Doolin, who played at Malone University in Division Two. So there's not a whole lot of tape to watch on him. But we'll start with the numbers. 16.9 yards per catch career. He had more than 90 yards per game each of his final three seasons in college. He scored 21 touchdowns over the past two years. Despite a QB change in his senior season, there were monster junior year market shares in 2017, 43% receptions, 54.5% of the team's yards, 83% of the touchdowns. Career-wise, he easily leads this entire class in market share of yards and touchdowns. Only Greg Dorch is ahead of him in career market share of receptions. And then Ashton Doolin did get invited to the combine. So I, that's an accomplishment yeah. for a division two receiver, especially in this deep a class. Six, one and a half, two fifteen. He ran a four, four, three in the 40, which is 76 percentile. He posted an 81st percentile vertical, 56 percentile broad, not special, but, you know, slightly above average. And then if you put all of that into the mock draftable comps, he comes out with Justin Blackman, Corey Davis, David Terrell, Devontae Parker, Rod Gardner. Those are not guys who put up big numbers in the NFL, but all five of those guys are first round picks. So that that tells you something about the physical ability there. You know, like I said, limited tape because it's D2. The highlights look like a guy who dominated at that level, though. And I think that's the key thing to see when a guy is playing at that low level of competition. There were three kick return touchdowns as a senior. And he was also a track star in college. Set school records in the 60-meter dash, 60-meter hurdles, 200-meter dash, five other records in outdoor track. I think fifth round, Ashton Doolin is going to be somebody to be interested in. I,
1: I sat I sat through like an hour and a half. I found a Malone versus Hillsdale game on YouTube. And I was I was obviously, you know, um, fast-forwarding through the, the, the Hillsdale possessions. But I, I watched all the Malone... Uh, possessions to try to get a look at Doolin. He I honestly didn't really stand out the way I'd like to see an NFL prospect stand out against D2 competition, but again, it was, it was one game. It was from like 100 feet above the field, so you couldn't even really, you know, really see what was, what was happening. Um, but like you said, I think the fact that Doolin was invited to the combine is noteworthy because you know it, it means he's on NFL teams' radar. I think it gives him a good chance to get drafted.
0: Yeah, I watched a highlight video, and even on this highlight video, which is supposed to be the best clips, you could when the camera pans to the side to catch him going into the end zone, there would be obstructed views. Like it would go behind the the bar that was obviously in the the press box window. There were like twelve people in the <laughs> crowd watching. Um, it's going to take some serious development from the little bit that I could see because I, it, what I read in his profile on NFL.com. And, you know, a little bit I saw is it was basically, hey, Ashton, run that way. We're going to throw you the ball and then you can score with it. So I'm sure it'll take some outrunning work, but kind of like with Greg Dortch, he's already shown he can return kicks. So there's one way to get in the door and stick on the roster. And we're talking about late rounds, taking a shot on somebody, even in rookie drafts.
1: I would love to know how Lance Zerline, who does all those NFL.com write-ups, saw enough of Dueling to actually write up more than like two
0: sentences on the guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have those hookups, you should be able to ask the college for, you know, the coach's tape. Yeah, I I guess so. That would be my guess. All right. Anybody in this class seem overrated to you? You know, I hate the whole
1: family of Ridleys, right? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I I wasn't a Calvin Ridley fan. I'm not a Riley Ridley fan. And and the Riley Ridley thing, you know, early in the process, it seemed like he was, you know, potentially going to be like a top five wide receiver in this class on a lot of guys' rankings. I think... People have cooled off on him. Um, He's now 12th among wide receivers in the Dynasty League football rookie rankings among wide receivers. um, I I have him lower than that. I have him 16th among wide receivers. He just doesn't do anything for me. Production wasn't great at Georgia, just 69 catches over three seasons. Uh, Market shares last year, 18% of the catches, 18% of the yards, 27% of the touchdowns. Um, He's not particularly big. He tested as a 15th percentile spark guy at the combine, and he's older, turning 23 in December. So Ridley, to me, if he didn't have that last name, I don't think he'd be even as high as he is in rankings right now. Yeah,
0: I agree. He's still uh, He remains inside Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 overall players, and that puts him top five or six wide receivers on Dan- Daniel Jeremiah's list. So there are still fans out there, but as you said, he, he doesn't seem to be climbing too high on a pretty stacked wide receiver board for um, fantasy owners. I, I just have Kelvin Harmon down for me and I, I already hit on the, the points. I don't think he's bad, but I see a lot of places where he's five or six and he's going to be more like 10 to 12 for me.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I think, I think he is wide receiver five on dynasty league football. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'd be curious to see if that changes, if he drops farther in the
0: draft than people expect. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Head over to draftsharks.com now to check out all of our dynasty prospect profiles that we've posted to this point. 22 players so far across four positions as we speak, and more will be joining that list every day. We'll be sorting through the 2019 running back class on this show next week and then finishing up the prospect previews with the QBs and tight ends the week after that. Then it'll be NFL draft time and soon after 2019 projections time for fantasy football. Look for those to hit DraftSharks.com earlier than usual. Make sure you're a DS Insider before those drop. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at Smola DS. I am at Schaff DS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.